You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. Thank you for joining us for this week in our series, Roadblocks and Objections to Living Scent. I'm Justin, and I'm here with a faithful co-host, James Ross, lead pastor here at Church on Bayshore. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's... uh... It's spring. It's spring. Time changed. Time has changed, and I hate it every time. I mean, I love that we get more daylight, but why do we still do this to ourselves? But let's just keep this. Let's 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 not go back. Let's rebel. People actually want to stay in the standard time. I want to stay in the savings time yes. because the days are longer. The I days get are home, longer. I still light with my More kids. More daylight. I like, you know, I lived in Eastern time most of my life yeah. when I moved here, and I thought it was weird when I moved here that it got light so early, but now I love it. But if we could just- But it gets dark keep, so early. Yeah. So if we could just stay sprung. Uh, like, you want more daylight though, period. So yeah. you need to move to like somewhere where the sun's out longer. Yeah. I need to, I guess, I don't know where that would Central be. America? I don't know. Because I'm the closer good. you get to the equator, the less hours of daylight you have. Really? Yeah. Because of the, how- Is it kind of balanced? Well, I mean, ish. I mean, I guess you could move, you know, every six months, move- North and South. We're, I don't we're know. very unsure. You know what I am sure of? People don't care at all exactly. about opinions on this. But it is the middle of March, and yesterday uh, was the one year anniversary wow. marker of the last service we had on campus before <clears throat> we had to shut things down. We before. started the 15 days to slow the curve. Yes. 365 days ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. My, wow. my, my, how the times have changed. And we That's are <laughs> so wild. We yeah. are living in a very different world than we were a year ago. And as much as uh, some things have returned to some sense of normalcy uh, from what it was, this is, you know, we are very much aware that we are in really a new normal, probably for a long time. Yeah. We were kind of, we're kind of, those of us, those who might be listening, you know, outside the state of Florida, it's so interesting. You were, you were talking about this, like, but here we've kind of been in this new normal, figuring things out for a while. And like other places are just starting to open back up. You know, it's just, right. we've kind of been isolated in that, you know. Yeah, so. I, I was thinking, I was really taking for granted that my kids have been going to school where in right. many states they still aren't. And right. I almost kind of didn't realize, not because I'm not keeping up with things, it's just because, I mean, life is busy. So I don't yeah. always keep up with what's going on in other places uh, right. in, the, in the states. Yeah, we like live that. in Florida. What do we care about other states? <laughs> That's right. We are. You want to come here, not. Man, uh, yeah. I used to think growing up in Georgia, like Florida was just a place that people went on vacation. And now that I live here, I'm just like, man, Florida really is great. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> I love it living in great. Florida. And especially the, the panhandle, it's just a yeah, good place to live. it's a good place to live. It's well, a nice place to live where we live. It is a nice place to live. Every time we make a, I just think of Delicious Dish, the old uh, uh, sketch from Saturday Night Live. And they used to say, rice is so nice. I don't and, even know what you're talking about. Because I'm a little bit older than you. So <laughs> I barely watched more SNL growing up. You know, up. old Baptist stuff and old <laughs> SNL stuff as That's well. right. So today we are continuing in Roadblocks and Objections to Living Scent, uh, talking about some of the hard questions that come that we encounter from people, really questions that we wrestle with ourselves, but also as we're talking about people sharing our faith as we're living scent, common questions and objections that people have. And today we continue with what is really... 
I think one of the top questions, number one questions, objections that people have, and it is this question. How can a good God allow suffering and evil? Mm. And if you are human, you have wrestled with mm. this. Um, so if you could answer that in one sentence, I'm just kidding. You cannot <laughs> answer that in one sentence. Yeah. Uh, first, we just want to just talk about suffering and really what we're talking about. Um, you know, suffering is, is really just, we know we suffer when things aren't right, mm -hmm. whether this is um, because of loss, because, whether it's sickness, prolonged circumstances, whether this is... Um, it, uh, what we would perceive as injustices around the world. We're talking about suffering, just things not yeah. being right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I wrestle with this because some people ask this question and they just mean like, I didn't get the job I wanted, you know, or, um, you know, I don't have as much money as I would like to have or whatever it may be. And it's like, you know, and, and, and then people say, well, everybody's trial is real. It's like, yeah, but Tim Tebow wrote a book about trials because he didn't make the NFL. And like, that's not that's the same. That's not the same. Like, you know, losing a child. I, I get or, it that that's tough. You know, like, right. I mean, there's certainly like, it's a trial for me when, you know, I'm trying to lead the church well and things aren't going as well as I'd like it to go or whatever. But like, you know, the real trials, I think, are like the mental struggles somebody has for a long time, or like you said, somebody losing a child or uh, some of the great injustices. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, we got to get past these kind of like, my life isn't ideal. And really, because those can all kind of be more simply answered. But I think like really get to why are these are these these things that happen that just don't seem fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so to be clear, we're not talking about uh, things that happen to us necessarily because of our own choices and the right. consequences. That's yeah. not the suffering we're talking about. We're not talking about being in tons of debt because you bought stuff right. that you shouldn't have. You yeah, know? I mean, not to make light of it, and we're here to help you, but like the old saying, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you are really stupid. And that is true. Yeah. Like and we all make bad and we want to walk with you yes. because we believe God wants more for Absolutely. you. But that is also we've sometimes. also made those choices before yeah, right. our lives and praise God for his grace. But yes. what we're talking about is, is suffering things that we didn't ask for. Right. Exactly. You know, things that happened to us that we didn't ask for. So as we talk about this, let's talk about um really Throughout, I think all religions, all worldviews have to answer for this question yeah. somehow and try to. Religions, mm -hmm. all religions try to or make an attempt to answer this. So let's talk about some of those perspectives of, of how we deal with suffering. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a tension that exists for every conscious human being. I, I really do think so. Like, why is this happening to me or why does this happen to other people? Um, you know, and I, I would first say that believing not believing in God doesn't help deal with that tension. I mean, essentially, like as an atheist, you have to say there is no meaning in suffering. Like you don't believe there's a God, like you don't really believe in morality. Like how can you even say that this is wrong? How can you even say that, you know, there is suffering in C.S. Lewis's, you know, book, Mere Christianity. I mean, that's, that's what, that's one of the first things that he talked about when he converted from atheism, you know, ultimately to Christianity was like, why is there something in me that identifies these things as a problem? So atheism really cannot answer this. And then, you know, humanism, which is really typically built around, you know, an atheistic mindset or at least an, you know, uh, agnostic mindset, at least, um, you know, essentially says that, you know, um, 
well, ultimately like survival of the fittest. And so like suffering happens because the, the, the weaker being, you know, weeded out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like they're, they're, they would critique religion in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, so let's start with, uh, Karl Marx, you know, who says religion is the opium of the masses and who he, so he's saying it's just helping you to feel better about injustice. It's helping you to feel better about suffering. Freud, you know, s essentially said that religion is personal justification. So it's helping you, uh, feel better about the things you cause and, and go through. Uh, and and then Nishi, you know, essentially said we shouldn't worry about suffering and and there's no truth, you know, claim. But that in itself is a truth claim, you know, to say no one can make a claim about the truth is like the most arrogant truth claim there is. So <laughs> right. I think like all these things just don't deal with this real problem that we know exists. And none of them answer the question of how did you know you're suffering? Right. So if you're suffering, it's because you were aware that something's wrong and right. they don't answer the question of then why do we lament? And then, you know, religions uh, answer to this, you know, different religions uh, teach different things about suffering, but take it for example, Buddhism. Uh, and so the Buddhism Buddhist answer to suffering is that really all of life is suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, Buddhism has its roots and there was a king and he wanted to shield his son from Buddhism. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, that was wrong. He wanted to shield his son from suffering. He kept him in the palace, you know, coddled him. And then he let him out of the palace. Uh, and, but he hid all the sick. He hid the elderly so his son wouldn't see. And then the, so he left the palace and saw this, you know, palatial, you know, wonderful thing outside and realized, okay, it's okay. But then he went back out and then he saw someone sick and then he went back out and he saw someone elderly and realized that there is suffering. And so he made this connection that all of life is suffering. And the point of life is to detach from mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. And really mm -hmm. that that's a, a terrible worldview to detach mm -hmm. from suffering because mm -hmm. it, you know, it may shield us from pain, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really shield us from pain. It, it detaches us from not dealing with pain, but it ultimately denies the fact that we feel pain because we are created really in the image of God. You know, yeah. the image of God is that we are created uh, for eternal relationships. So we recognize in suffering that, you know, death is a break in that eternal relationship. And so we, we feel that pain because of the love that we have, because God has created us in his image. And so we look at other religions, there's an attempt. And I believe that Christianity really is the only one that gives not just an answer to suffering and maybe not answer, but gives a purpose to suffering. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. And as far as why does, how does a good God allow suffering and evil? Well, what is the Christian claim about suffering? Uh, what is the, what is the purpose in suffering? Yeah. I mean, in Hinduism, you know, would say basically you, you live your life and, you know, if you're suffering in this life, it's because of what you did in the past life and mm -hmm. you live better. And then the next life, you won't suffer as you're much. You're trying to yeah, escape yeah. suffering. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and Islam has its answer in itself as well. Um, but yeah, what, what does Christianity say about suffering? And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, and you asked me the question, if I were to answer this in one sentence, what would it be joking? And my answer would actually be that God has better in store for us. Mm. That would be my simple answer. You know, so God created us uh, to, to know him and, you know, to experience joy, experience life. Um, and we see in the story of the creation that Adam and Eve uh, chose to rebel against that, chose to disobey him. And therefore, the consequences, you know, of their disobedience uh, is sin. And so Adam and Eve show us this, this grand picture of 
that, but I think we all play a part in that if we're given enough opportunity, uh, where we bring about consequences of rejection of God. Mm -hmm. And back to last week's, you know, God could in that moment say, all right, you're separated from me forever mm -hmm. because that's what you deserve. But God in his will and maybe what he saw in us, I don't know, but wanted to give us the opportunity to experience what his intention was in Genesis one. Mm -hmm. So, so in this earth, it is not permanent. It is coming to an end right. and suffering is ultimately a result of the lack of permanency in this earth. So what I would say is that the alternative is never having been created. Mm. That's true. And most people would say, okay, well, I would rather have been created. Very Not, few, I think, would right. would say, okay, well, I wish it just never existed. And I think we have to understand, too, that suffering is the result of the fall. It is the result of sin that, you know, when God created, you know, he created the heavens and earth, he created them good. There wasn't suffering in the garden. Right. It was the rebellion of, of man that brought about suffering. Uh, and because it's the consequences of sin uh, and we fail to realize that our the the sin, sin the, the the consequences of the fall are so far so far reaching beyond just our own uh separation from God but they affect everything affects right. the world affects the earth and i think as we talk about this we also have to recognize that suffering is not always punishment for sin. I right. think some people do think that if you're suffering, well, it's just God punishing you for mm -hmm. something. Um, and, and some people would go as far as say the amount of suffering that we endure is, is the result of our sin. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at Job, I mean, that's a great illustration in scripture of, of someone who endured great suffering, not because of, of necessarily his own level of sin. Uh, and, and when we say things like that, when we say that our amount of suffering is the result of our sin, that's really, that's karma. And we're yeah. saying what goes around comes around. And so we've got to be careful uh, as we talk about suffering, not to assume those things. Yeah. I mean, Job is a great illustration of how people who are more moralistic than, uh, than having a relationship with God would view sin because his friends are like, Hey, you did something wrong. Um, clearly, that's the only re reason this would be happening to you. And then also, uh, who someone without the hope of Christ views suffering, because we said, mm -hmm. you know, the alternative would be to be, not be created. Well, his wife does say, curse God and die. She's mm -hmm. she's essentially yeah. saying, you know, hey, there's no hope. So I, I think people get through suffering. Some people get through suffering. People always get through suffering with hope. Now, sometimes that hope is just that things would be better on this earth. Right. Um, and I think you know, in a, in a society where we have great medical care, we have great opportunities, like that does get a lot of people by, but there are some sufferings that that is not enough for. And without hope in Christ, perhaps your feeling is, I wish I would have never been created, you know? Um, and that's where the hope of Christ and that he has something better in store for us begins to shape us as Christians. And I do think it's, it's, it's the answer to this problem. Mm -hmm. I think too, as we talk about suffering, it's remembering who who Jesus is in our suffering, mm -hmm. and this is the hope that you know we talked about that Jesus actually promises suffering for those who follow yeah. Him. He, mm -hmm. You know, He says, "You will suffer for My sake." But I think when we go back to the story of Scripture, uh, we understand how 
how Jesus identifies with us in suffering. And we look at the story of, of Lazarus when he died, not the same Lazarus we referenced last week, but a different Lazarus and uh, the brother of, of Mary and Martha. And they come to him because Lazarus is sick. And they say, you know, if you will come and heal him, you speak the word, he will be healed. And the, it's recorded, it says, Jesus heard this and he waited. Right. And he waited. He didn't get up and go. He waited mm-hmm. so that the the power of God would be revealed. So when he shows up, Lazarus has died. And they say, if you'd been here, if only mm-hmm. you'd been here, he would have been mm-hmm. saved. And then it says, Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. And he, I, I believe his weeping is over the consequences of of the fall. He is seeing the, the consequences of, of death. And then he causes, you know, he says, you know, I'm the resurrection and life. And he says, Lazarus, come out. So I think three important things we see here is that Jesus had intention in this suffering. Uh, there was, he revealed his glory mm-hmm. and that he also wept with them. Like he identified with their pain. Mm, you know, scripture good. says that he had, he, he, oh, surely he bore our sorrows mm-hmm. and by his stripes were healed. And then he is the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so the Christian hope in this isn't necessarily that in this life, everything's going to be better. It's that Jesus has suffered. Mm-hmm. Jesus is with me in my suffering. Mm-hmm. And I know there will be a day when mm-hmm. there is no more suffering because of what he's done. And so that really informs uh our view of suffering mm-hmm. and changes the way we look at things because no longer are we saying, I just have to get, things are just gonna get better. Right. And the truth is, is that we are not promised no. that things are going to get better. Yeah. And we have to realize that if we if we say, well, just hang on, it's gonna get better. And when people say that, they mean like, you know, just a next week, next month, right. next year. Right. They're not, when people say that, they're not usually talking about eternity. Yeah. Hang on, things are gonna get better. The truth is that's not the promise. No, that we have not. things may actually get much much mm-hmm. much worse mm-hmm. but here's the promise we have is that we have jesus christ who is resurrection and life mm-hmm. so that frames the way that we uh, can endure because no longer are we telling people or telling ourselves endure through suffering just grin and bear it and grit through it we're saying no in your pain jesus christ is with you. Yeah. And he has borne this pain for you. Yeah. Other religions that we didn't really get to say, Hey, God, God sees you suffering, but what he has in the store is worth it, which is like, okay, that's awesome. But there's still something that you're like, okay, so God in heaven is like, what I have in store for you is worth it. And so I have to go through this in in order to get the reward. And there's still like something about that. That's like, ah, that just seems unsettling. And what Christianity shows us, the cross shows us is God's not only says, Hey, suffer what I have in store for you is worth it, but he suffered Mm. because what he has in store for us is worth it to him. And not only did he suffer in love, but he rose again showing, Hey, there is resurrection. There is the hope assured of resurrection. It doesn't have to be this, I suffer and hope I'll be resurrected. It is, I suffer and my hope is assured that I will be resurrected. Yeah, this is a a great quote on those lines from the book, uh, Confronting Christianity. And it says this, people think that suffering is an embarrassment to the Christian faith, but it is actually the greatest apologetic. Yeah, There is not only hope for a better end, there is also intimacy now with the Mm -hmm. one who is pierced 
who has who has pierced, scarred, and resurrected hands. Mm -hmm. Suffering is not an embarrassment. It is mm -hmm. the thread that stitches Christ's name into our lives. Mm. Um, that's powerful. That's powerful. You know, and I think that we have to reframe how we see suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, know that I, I don't believe, you know, if we go back to the created order, referencing back to Genesis and how God created, it's not his desire, but it is in his restorative purpose is part mm -hmm. of his design that we will endure suffering and that he will ultimately be glorified. Yeah. I, I think the question, you know, for us and our dealing with suffering, and we'll talk in just a moment more about how, when we're talking to someone who's suffered and that's kind of their objection to following Christ, but you know, is, is what, what are we looking to? And, you know, one of our values as a church is Jesus isn't a part of it. He is it, you know, or Jesus is a part of life. He is life. So, you know, if everything revolves around him, then that changes our perspective. And, and here's a good litmus test. So people often quote Romans 8, 28, which says, you know, God works all things together for the good to those who serve him and are called according to his purpose. Well, unfortunately, most people, when they say that, say what you said, things are going to get better. You are going to get the job. You are going to find a spouse that you love. You, you, your child is going to get better. Like, and in America, again, with the care we have and the opportunities we have and the resources we have, like it's easy to fool ourselves that that is what Romans 8, 28 is about. Mm. And I say this with intensity because I mean it. That is insufficient when your child dies. Mm -hmm. That is insufficient when you suffer with something mental for all of your life. That is insufficient when you're disabled. But verse 29 says, so all things work together for the good to those who serve him and are called according to his purpose, that those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be adopted as sons so that Jesus might be a firstborn among uh, many brothers and we're going to be conformed to his image. The, the point that God is working all things for our good is that in eternity, we would be like Christ sharing in his sufferings and sharing in his glory. That's what God is working in us. And so for the Christian, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, we understand that even if things don't get better quotes uh, on this earth, that as Paul said, this light momentary affliction is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Yes. <laughs> yes. And amen. Uh, you know, I think this was uh, something, an article I read, it's talking about five things that God's, God's doing in our suffering. One is he is leading us to repentance that our suffering highlights again, just that we desperately need him as our rescuer. It's leading us to repentance. It's also leading us to reliance. You know, mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9 says, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we were despaired of life itself. Mm -hmm. That's, mm -hmm. that's suffering. Mm -hmm. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Mm -hmm. So he brings repentance. He brings reliance. He also brings our righteousness, mm -hmm. makes us more like Christ. He brings reward. That's the promise that in our suffering, there is reward. And that reward is the intimacy we have with Jesus. And it's also a reminder that this world is not our home mm -hmm. and there is a coming uh, kingdom. So I think, you know, God, the Christian answer is there is purpose in suffering. There is purpose. There is purpose in our pain, mm -hmm. and ultimately it is drawing us closer to him. You were talking about how suffering is this opportunity for Jesus to shine through us. And the, the author of Hebrews 13, 
chapter 13, verse five and six, he's encouraging people to keep their life free from the love of money and be content with what they have. And he says, this is why, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So A, that's showing just how we should have this contentment, but it's also this great promise to us, even in the midst of not getting what we want, whether that's something surface level or something very deep, that he's with us no matter what. And then he says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do yeah. to me? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, like whatever might injustice might happen, suffering might happen, evil might happen to me. Jesus said, they can't take away your eternity with me. Yeah. Ooh, man. That's good. Yeah, it is good. And so I think as we talk about how to talk to people who suffer in evil, I think ultimately, as you alluded to, our hope in Christ in the midst of our suffering and the things we experience is the greatest apologetic mm-hmm. for why we should live for Christ. That's right. Let's talk about it on a bigger level. So we've talked a lot about the personal level, but let's talk about, you know, I think one of the common objections people would have is, well, what about this ma- major suffering, like the Holocaust? What about trafficking, human trafficking? What about natural disasters that, you know, bring earthquakes, tsunamis that, uh, how can God allow these things to happen And that's a hard question. So how do you respond to that? Generally, I would say everything we just said. Specifically, I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say that's honestly, I mean, who knows the mind of God? Mm -hmm. I know. Here's what I do know is it doesn't change the church's mission to spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, scripture says, you know, it, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous, you know, like we that could be us, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, um, and we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. How why. is God using it? I mean, we have no idea. Yeah. We, we literally have no idea. And I think we, in the conversations with people, this is where I think we uh, fall short in conversations as believers is we are really uncomfortable saying, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And because it, we just feel like we have to have a perfect answer. And yes, you can dive into that. We don't have time really to just get in the weeds about that, but it's okay to say you don't know. (laughs) It's okay to say you don't know. You know, and I think people would say, well, you know, suffering is an opportunity for the church to share the love of Christ. And so that's why God caused Hurricane Katrina to happen or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And it's like, well, suffering is always an opportunity for the church to share the love of Christ, but to say that God ordained that to happen in the way he did so that X good would come out of it is just not our place. I mean, and, no. and when preachers do that kind of stuff, um, they should just shut their mouths because uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Now, again, generally, does God do that? Yes. But um, I would say that, you know, any any ounce of suffering in this world is just an opportunity for us to point to uh, the kingdom of heaven. But it is certainly not something that we have the right to say, this is why God did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone once taught me to, the, the, the concept of the economy of God, and that's like how God works. And who are we ever to make a decree about the economy of God and how his purposes and his ways apart what he's shown us in scripture? Like we can't, we can't assume that we know this is why God did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important for us uh, because is. that requires us to be okay with the mystery of God, yeah. uh, to know that, you know, he doesn't answer to us, yeah. we answer to him. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a tidy place to live. Yeah. And I think with the people who object with those, you know, kind of broad concepts, it's just really getting to the things we've talked about, about Mm -hmm. what are the answers 
with this tension you feel and what is the answer of Christianity and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So once you hear that message about Christianity and suffering, I have seen people who that moved them to their life, you know, trusting Christ. Right. Like, you're right. God suffered for this. That's how much he considers me being with him for eternity worth it. I think the the more difficult thing um, is when someone is going through something very personal. Um, that's a challenge, mm. you know, um, because someone's conceptual objection to suffering in this world because of the Holocaust, yeah, because of tsunamis. It's more theoretical at that right, point. Right, it is. Not that it's not real, but right. um, that's maybe a 30-minute podcast or a mm -hmm. one-hour sermon or, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it may be. I mean, it may be more than that. But somebody who's lost a child, somebody who's struggling with something mentally all their life, you know, whatever it may be, like that's months, years, mm -hmm. a lifetime of, right. of walking, walking with. Yes, being with... Being with them, walking with them. So let's talk about that. How do we minister or serve people, share with people who are suffering? And I think uh, one of the first things we have to do is is be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesus in this suffering we referenced with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He wept. You know, he felt their pain. Like he literally understood what was going on. And so the first thing is we identify and not minimize people's pain yeah, and say, good. well, you know, it's it's all going to be fine. I think. Um, we don't minimize their pain. Uh, we we don't say things like, "Well, everything is just going to be okay." You know, yeah. That 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 trivializes uh, pain. That trivializes what's going on, and and it's just not helpful at all. Mm -hmm. What else would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, Galatians says we're to carry each other's burdens. So I think you know, for us, it's very clear as Christians that we. Somebody's struggle is my struggle as their brother in Christ. Um, and so, you know, what do I need to do to help them to see the truth? Because feelings, you know, so so a lot of this, it, it, it sounds very black and white. And, and it really is. It really is a very black and white concept that, you know, it, it's simple to understand that, you know, God wants a relationship with us forever. We have fallen. This isn't it. There's something better in store. He says it's worth it. He shows this is worth it. Like that up here, mind, got it. Heart, who? when I'm losing somebody I love, when I'm struggling with something for a long time, it, that's a lot more difficult. And I think that the more we walk with someone and alleviate burdens we can alleviate, the more we're able to remind them of the truth. Right. And um, that is something that, needs to happen on a regular basis. So carrying their burdens, reminding them of the truth uh, and love, understanding the struggle. I mean, it's pain. like we're not, we're God creating God's image. We are not created for death. We are not created for evil. We are created to have eternal, immortal right. bodies where there is no sickness, right. no pain, no crying. Mm -hmm. Like we should, creation waits with eager longing and, you know, with childbirth yes. pains for the adoption <laughs> right. of sons. So like the tension is going to exist right. if we love it's Jesus. There. Yeah. And I think what you were saying earlier, it's in these moments of suffering, you know, we are, emotions are big. Emotions are high. And in those moments, our, our hearts and our emotions get way ahead of our logic. Yeah. And, you know, there's things we know that it's, it, we've got to allow time for our, our, 
our hearts to catch up to where our head is, right. you know? And I think that's the space where we walk with people and we're patient with people. We don't say, well, you know, well, this happened for a reason. So is God sovereign over everything? Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, like people, you know, they need you giving people that space to let things catch up and being with them, being the presence of Christ. Yeah. Being that reminder of that he is with us in suffering is really the best thing we can do with people. And then that gives the opportunity to do what you're talking about is that we are pointing people to the truth and mm -hmm. we are reminding them. And, you know, it's a struggle. Like if you suffer, you're going to struggle. There's going to be times, even, even the people who I would say, like I've seen suffer well, mm. uh, who seem to oh, yeah. be doing well, like yeah. it's not easy. No. And they still need people I to know. remind them of the truth, to love them, to pray for them, to pray with them, just to say, Hey, I don't fully understand. Don't pretend to understand pain. You don't really fully yeah. understand, but also to say, I don't understand your pain, but I hurt for you mm -hmm. and I'm hurting with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's go the Lord together in this. Yeah. And, and, and for the people who suffer, like, you know, the Bible says he who isolates himself goes out against all sound judgment. Mm -hmm. And so I think like there's this temptation to hold your feelings in and isolate. And I think we need to do everything we can to press into those people, like, so that they don't isolate because we love them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if their hope is in Christ and ultimately, you know, they need to be reminded. And if their hope is not in Christ and those are opportunities for us to, you know, subtly point them to Jesus, um, but you're right. I mean, surface level answers like the, everything happens for a reason. I mean, the reason generally we get, but specifically we don't get, yeah. you know, hey, God's going to use this uh, for good. That's true. Absolutely. But, you know, like we kind of sometimes say, well, I mean, like, seriously, like we've said things like, well, you lost a child, but now you can help other people who lose a child. Yes, that's true. But it wasn't. Yeah, that's, that's not, not justification for the thing happening. Right. You know? Exactly. I have a friend that happened to and, and her exact words were, I just want my son back. Right, right. Like I, God uses it. Absolutely. He uses it, but that's not like justification for that thing happening. Um, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, Hey, it could be worse. It's like, okay. So are we saying like, there is a level where actually that's as bad as it gets. Just suck you, it up. Yeah, Come on. What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I just, those are just like, why are you saying that? Like, right. just don't say anything. Yeah. Just, <laughs> If you can't say, yeah, just don't say it. There are moments, like as a pastor, you, you guys know, we're talkers, right? Yeah. Like I'm you in the hospital with somebody and I just, I've got I no, love I'll, let's, I love you. Let's, let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's read the word. Like I've got nothing to share other than I'm, we're with you and, and he's with you. God, our desire is the situation changes, but yeah, we trust you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we just have to remember who the Lord is. You know, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 147, 3, he heals the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, he has sent me, I'm not Jesus, to mm. bind up the brokenhearted. Mm. And so mm. that's his promise to the suffering. His promise is the suffering is that he knows he's with us. He is working. He is near. He heals and he is binding our hearts in suffering. And so that helps us understand that our suffering isn't without purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and it is drawing us close to him. And, you know, as we've shared today, as we talked today, these are, you know, we're hard issues and we're just scratching the surface on some yeah. of it. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you are struggling with suffering, uh, reach out. We would love to just for sure be with you, uh, mm -hmm. pray with you, serve you mm -hmm. however we can. Um, and ultimately remember as we, as we talk to people and through these 
everyone has a reference point for this question as well. They're thinking of, when they yeah. say that, they're thinking of someone they know, either right. themselves or someone that they love who has suffered. Yeah, and, you're right. And let's, and let's be mindful of that mm -hmm. and, and understanding and being compassionate and empathetic towards those things. Mm. Uh, so that being said, we're thankful that you've uh, tuned in this week. Join us next week as we continue in the series, Roadblocks and Objections, answering another tough question. That's it for today. We'll tune in next time. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.